shit shit coins dude shit coins ruined it for everybody out here one of our senators got rug pulled um in a shit coin scam and now just has this this just penchant hate for bitcoin and everything you know bitcoin gets lumped gets lumped in with all the shit coins right um despite being a fundamentally different asset class conversations with the greatest minds in bitcoin This is a Bitcoin Audible chat. What is up, guys? Welcome back to Bitcoin Audible. I am Guy Swan, the guy who has read more about Bitcoin than anybody else you know. And today, today we have an excellent chat with Nathaniel Harmon. This guy is the one pushing to make OTech a reality, to revive a 150-year-old massive potential energy uh, of the the oceans, of, of the Earth's oceans, something that has been untapped and uneconomical for a long time, and that Bitcoin mining may just be tipping the scales of. Uh, and he is basically pioneering this push in the state of Hawaii. So this is basically a follow-up to yesterday's article from Bitcoin Magazine written by Level39, because I just really wanted to dig deeper into this concept and this, this system that he is building out and trying to, trying to make a reality. Um, this, I think this is really, really cool. We do assume, essentially, that you have a familiarity with the topic. Um, If you have not listened to yesterday's article, uh, it definitely would be a great lead into this. I mean, this is a response to the article. We're having this conversation in response to it. So, um, but the episode will stand on its own. I'm just sure it will make a lot more sense and be a lot more interesting if you kind of have that base. But it's really just kind of crazy to think about Nate's position here. Um, he's been seems to have been deeply tied into everything happening with Bitcoin on the island um, and has in some ways, at least it seems from my not super knowledgeable perspective, but that he's been kind of holding the torch over there um, despite lots of pushback and resistance. And it's just really cool to hear this story, to hear about the progress and the dominoes slowly falling uh, in on the in the state of Hawaii, in the kingdom of Hawaii. And you will hear all about it in this amazing discussion. You do not want to miss this one. This is an energy revolution with Nathaniel Harmon. Now, real quick, I just want to thank our amazing sponsors that make this show happen. First, we have Swan Bitcoin. You know these guys. They are the cheat code to go from no coiner to Bitcoin sovereign in the shortest time possible. They are an amazing source for education, direct assistance. They have an unbeatable team. Swan Private is the the concierge service for getting into Bitcoin. They got low fees, auto purchases, auto withdrawals, literally everything you need. Go to swanbitcoin.com slash guy. The link will be in the show notes. And second, I want to thank the Bitbox O2 hardware wallet. This is the secure, simple way to hold your keys. It literally is essential, guys, to have a good hardware wallet. And Bitbox is that good hardware wallet. It just is. There's a reason I have three of them. I'm just saying... Uh, you get 5% off with my code GUY. Uh, there's a direct link again in the show notes. And lastly, the fold card. This is my bank account. 
This is the only way to do fiat. If you if you were doing fiat with something other than fold, you're failing. My traditional bank is a straight up ghost town because you know what I get when I use their debit card? Nothing. No sats. And with fold, I get sats back on freaking everything. Not even a credit card, but a debit card. Plus even more back on their gift cards. They have a bunch of major retailers. You know, to be perfectly honest, I think fold is probably the most opened app on my phone behind Twitter. If you still do dollar banking, you need this. And you can get 20% off the annual fee with Bitcoin Audible. That is code Bitcoin Audible. Again, link all the good stuff in the show notes. With that, let's get into this amazing discussion with Nathaniel Harmon on the Bitcoin energy revolution. Finding some humble beginnings in the Aloha state. And now I will hand it over to Nathaniel Harmon. Yeah, well, Hawaii is not great for Bitcoin, I'll tell you that. Uh, we just <laughs> passed another, we banned, well, effectively banned Bitcoin exchanges in the state back in 2016. And I've been working with the, the, um, the legislature and the DCCA here, Department of Commerce Consumer Affairs, on this sandbox program where we were able to get a couple of exchanges to come in. There was this dual requirement where you had to have you know, $1 in cash for every dollar in Bitcoin or whatever, you know, shit coin that they were peddling those days. Uh, and so, you know, if Bitcoin price goes up, somehow they have to have more cash. More in cash, the bank. yeah. So that effectively got rid of everybody. Everybody pulled out. And then we had this sandbox program for two years. And, uh, you know, we'd been working on, you know, some compromise to keep it going. And, Man, it just got uh, shit. Shit coins, dude. Shit coins ruined it for everybody out here. One of our senators got rug pulled um, in a shit coin scam, oh, and now just has this this just penchant hate for Bitcoin and everything. You know, Bitcoin gets lumped gets lumped in with all the shit coins, right? Um, despite being a fundamentally different asset class, and. Um, so we had this, you know, uh, licensure bill that was coming up due, and I was able to work in there, like carve outs for specifically Bitcoin. Uh, non-custodial activity requires, you know, essentially deregulated non-custodial, all non-custodial activity, like no license. You don't have to report anything. You know, you don't have to sign up with the state, because you know I. But and it specifically carved out Bitcoin and non-custodial activity, which I thought was a pretty good, you know, but then it just died in crossover. Uh, it got all the way through both houses and it went to reconciliation before the floor vote. And it just they just tabled it and it died. And now that all the exchanges have to pull out again. And yeah. Dude, that's crazy. So you've been, so you're basically the one holding down the fort in Hawaii. <laughs> that was the plan. Yeah. You know, I you're figured our, you're you can... our one Bitcoin embassy like ambassador over there. Oh man, you should see some of the shit coiners on this advisory board for that sandbox program. I'm fighting left and right against the NFT people and the DeFi scammers. Like, and it's rough, man. It's like, how do I, but, you know, I come at it from the academic perspective. So, and, and, and they're not all scammers, just most of the stuff that they work on is, I don't know. 
yeah, it's tough. Yeah. Yeah. I None mean, of that affects the, the energy side of it. So good. Good. Yeah. And that's what that's what we're here to talk about, because I've been super curious about this. Um, I didn't actually get to listen to the whole um, episode with Troy Cross. Um, I'm, I'm still going through that one. Uh, so bear with me if I end up repeating a lot of things that y'all actually talked about. Um, but uh, it was a two and, hour interview. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> um, and uh, and I'll also assume that nobody has listened to it. Uh, I'll link to it if anybody wants to do a little bit of deep, deeper dive. Um, and so I'm releasing the read the level 39's article uh, today. Um, and then this will be dropping tomorrow. Um, this, so this is this is kind of like the guy's take on the article. Like, so we can just kind of chat about all the stuff that went on in it. Um, and kind of tell me how this shit got started. So you just, as I understand it, you were in school and just kind of went down the Bitcoin rabbit hole. And you've just kind of been pushing ever since and and you've gotten into mining like were you doing anything in energy like my like anything before this or was it just really kind of bitcoin that sparked this whole thing give me give me your origin story give me the short version <laughs> well, i moved out to hawaii i don't know 10 years ago uh, my wife was a dolphin trainer i was a she wasn't my wife at the time um i was a scuba instructor we moved out to hawaii because you know, we were looking for something, that, you know, to get away from everything. Because Hawaii. And, uh, okay. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and then, you know, we worked for a few years. And at one point I was looking to, you know, I didn't know anybody out here. I just moved. And, you know, the only the only plug for, you know, you know, weed was the guy on the corner store. So and this was early, you know, 2012, 2013. And uh, I ended up getting the Bitcoin, but never ended up buying the weed with it um, and holding on to it. And that helped me put myself through undergrad in environmental science. And, you know, energy is a huge part of environmental science. And then from there, I got um, I got a, a, a I got an offer to be a research assistant for my graduate ship. So they, you know, they pay for your tuition and give you a stipend. So I didn't have to pay for that, um, which was really nice. And, uh, you know, so I'm learning about the ocean. I, it was a marine geochemistry um, and ge marine geology and geochemistry um, master's program. And uh, I'm a chemist. And I was at the time, you know, uh, I was reading a lot of books. Uh, one, two in particular kind of stuck out to me and influenced me. It's uh, Capital in the 21st Century by Thomas Piketty. Um, really, really groundbreaking uh, economic sort of history book of the movement of capital over the last 300 years, um, you know, where, you know, capital just moves around, uh, you know, from people to people, uh, from groups to groups. And uh, this was just was a history of how it moved. What was capital that in the Capital in the 21st century. Capital in, I'm going to make sure I write this down so I have links to this. And then the other one was Jeremy Rifkin's uh, The Third Industrial Revolution. Oh, yeah. And these kind of appealed to me at the time, you know, 2016 or so. Uh, you know, it was uh, the, the big Sanders, you know, uh, campaign. And, um, you know, I was looking for solutions. You know, I'm hearing, uh, I'm reading the IPCC reports and learning how to do the actual math behind climate change. And you're like, oh, shit. 
Um, and so I started looking for actual solutions. And so I read these two books, you know, Capital in the 21st Century, uh, essentially says that major movements of capital are the result of two separate events. Um, you can have a big war and destroy all the capital, like, you know, Europe. Um, <laughs> after World War One, the Great Depression, then World War II, uh, you know, pretty much wiped out all the capital. Um, and then, uh, you know, the rebuilding effort distributed that capital, redistributed it. Or you can have an industrial revolution. Uh, and that seemed like a better option than a major war <laughs> at the time. Maybe. Uh, maybe. I mean, you got to get away the costs and benefits here, you know. We gotta, <laughs> let's, let's sit down and talk about it. Let's make sure we got some clinical trials <laughs> to be certain that a horrible, devastating modern war is not the route that we want to take. But for the sake <laughs> yeah. of conversation, we'll assume, yes, an industrial revolution would be preferable. And then, uh, and so the, you know, industrial revolution led me into, you know, Rifkin with his third industrial revolution um, sort of idea that a industrial revolution is the confluence of three major technology, um, you know, innovations, you have to have an energy, you have to have a transport, and you have to have a communication technology. And so, you know, the first and the second uh, industrial revolution, you had, um, you know, you had steam power, you had coal, you had the telegraph, and now, you, so, you know, those are the three separate technologies. Um, and then for the second, you had, you know, petroleum, the, uh, you know, the telephone, television, uh, and of course, the comb internal combustion engine. Uh, and so each of those made a you know, huge leap um, than what was previously available. And then, you know, Rifkin goes on to describe the third industrial revolution, the one that we're currently entering, um, which is, he, he claims is the confluence of, you know, renewable energy, seems pretty obvious, the internet, which is <laughs> pretty, pretty obvious as we're communicating over it right now. Um, and then his transportation is uh, drones, zero marginal cost drone technology. And I always felt that his argument for that was, was pretty weak. Um, and so at the same time, I was reading these books and trying to, you know, I was looking at, oh, we could put solar panels all over the, the, the Saharan desert and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, the, the deeper you dive into that, the more ridiculous it gets. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and you only need so 3,000 miles of power lines, no big deal. <laughs> right. <laughs> and not to mention the cobalt. Uh, yeah. which does simply doesn't exist. The cobalt, the lithium, which simply just doesn't exist. Um, and, you know, at the time I was building essentially chemistry robots. I was doing microfluidic work for in situ um, uh, determinations of phosphate. So I stuck a chemistry robot out in the ocean and just measured phosphate in situ. Uh, you can't do you know, there's, there's no like sensor that you can measure phosphates. You actually have to do, you know, wet chemistry, you know, mixing two chemicals together and then it makes a, turns the, the mixture blue and then you measure the blue, right? So I built a robot to do that out in the ocean. Um, so I was learning programming and, you know, well, I, I had all the, I had this Bitcoin sitting around. I was like, well, I should probably, I should probably figure out whether this is a scam or not, uh, since I'm learning all this, you know, C++ and the, you know, the node 
is, uh, you know, the, the core implementation is written in C++. So I dove deep into Bitcoin at the time. Andreas Antonopoulos and, you know, his book uh, were being written on GitHub around the same time. Um, uh, the Mastering mastering Bitcoin, which is, the, if I have any advice for anybody, please read that book. <laughs> it may... It'll get it'll get you a job. I, I guarantee it. If you read that book, and <laughs> it will guarantee you a job in the field. Um, <laughs> if, if if everybody read that book, we'd be in a much better place. Um, <clears throat> and so I realized that you know, Bitcoin was kind of this uh, this bridge between the internet and renewable energy, and that the proof of work really was the you know, key characteristic. And so I'm having all these revelations at the same time. And I'm hosting this uh, like Friday night Pauhana um, called TG's where the entire SOS department gets together and we drink beer and we talk story, you know, we shoot the shit. And as anyone who's going through the Bitcoin, um, you know, uh, enlightenment sort of deal, you, you can't <laughs> shut up about it. <laughs> If you, if you get a beer in a group of people and you say talk, Bitcoin yeah. comes out. There's there's no stopping it. Uh, and so, you know, one of the people I was talking to at the time was uh, Katie Talladay, uh, now Dr. Talladay. She was at the time an, uh, a graduate student working on her PhD. She's a fantastic person. Uh, and we would chat. I would chat for hours. She would be the only one who would actually listen. Uh, everyone else would kind of walk away as soon as, I mean, money relates to everything. So you can bring it back to <laughs> any there's, topic. There's nothing not connected to Bitcoin. Everything is a Bitcoin topic. It's true. Like, oh shit, Nathaniel's going at it again. I got it. I'm going to go get another drink and I'm going to stay yep. in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, ex that's exactly right. People would just walk away. <laughs> Uh, but she would engage and we would have many hours, you know, we, we spoke at length about Bitcoin and, you know, uh, philosophical, economic, and of course the science of it, right? And when Katie Talladay went along to TA, uh, the famous Mora et al. class um, that wrote the, you know, the Mora et al. paper. So she was the TA for that, as was um, Randy Rollins, who's another friend of ours, um, uh, Randy Rollins's husband is was in my wife's lab, um, so we hang out with these people, and so you know. Just for context, the Mora et al. is the one that is famous for the. I just I can't. It's so absurd to me. It is so absurd to me. But that the the Bitcoin is going to raise temperatures by itself, two degrees, and yeah. what was it? 20 years or 15 years or some some absurd timeline um two degrees celsius uh so yeah. that is that is that paper and that was cited by the environmentalist um the the group of environmentalists and politicians who made the appeal to congress about banning proof of work um like that was cited multiple times was it yeah. not it's yeah. the only one cited it's the only scientific the only thing that was cited is it can you call can we call that a scientific publication <laughs> no it's a note it's a two-page note um it was written part of an undergraduate class uh and the purpose of the class is not to really produce 
any new scientific knowledge. It was to, you know, you pick a topic in the environmental realm and you spend a semester learning about it and you write up a paper on it. You know, Mora, uh, Camilo Mora is a, um, you know, really, really top, you know, quality scientist and everything, he, he's a rock star and everything he gets, you know, he puts out gets published. Uh, he has, I don't know how many papers in nature now, but you know, he's, he's a big, he's, a, he's kind of a big deal. Um, and so this paper, which, you know, I mean, it's not that the math that they're using is wrong, right? Uh, it was, you know, proofread and peer reviewed for the model. It's just, there was no one to peer review the, the, the Bitcoin network that they were describing. And, yeah. you know, had they changed the name of the title to, you know, theoretical blockchain implementation could <laughs> lead to the, the paper yeah. would have, no, you know, nobody would care, right? Um, but they use Bitcoin and the network they described in the paper is not, is not Bitcoin. Um, and that's the major, you know, the model was correct. It's just the network they were describing was Bitcoin. So, you know, that kind of came me, out. It reminds me of uh, this story of um, uh, this, God, who was it? I don't know. It was, it was one of the Austrian economists that I follow talking about how um, uh, he was taught by someone, a professor or whatever, who had come up with this really clever model that he was in love with about like analyzing and like measuring differences and changes in like the beef and like fast food industries, like like how they were connected to whatever and whatever. Um, and how you could model the dynamics and how things would change if certain things, you know, were altered. And uh, he had like gone up to him and said, you know, there's, this is actually wrong. This model can't, like, I mean, it, it works in your model, but yeah. this is, this actually does not apply. Like this literally isn't even how the beef industry works. Like this thing is wrong with it. This thing is wrong with it. And he says, well, yeah, but like, it's, it's the, it's the way the model works. And it's like, yeah. well, if you're making something, if you're making a model that doesn't reflect reality, what is the what is the purpose of it? You're just you've made this imaginary fantasy land in which things work the way you think they work. And then you've built a model to describe what would be the outcome in that scenario. It is totally useless to anybody for any reason in the real world. Um, and it's just so funny. Oh. He was like he was air, like he was just like, but no, this is the way the model works as if like that was that was argument enough that what he had made was valuable um just... yeah, all models are wrong some are useful yeah um there you go and a model is really only as good as its initial conditions um and the initial conditions of this model were not in line with how bitcoin actually works so the model is fundamentally flawed which is one reason why bitcoin can never be replicated because if you think of Bitcoin as like an economic model, uh, again, all models uh, are only as good as their initial conditions. And the initial conditions for you know the genesis of Bitcoin were, you know, um, immaculate, right? Um, and they can never be replicated because it you know it, it came into existence in a void. Um, but yeah, that's, I guess that's kind of off top. We're, <laughs> um, but yeah, at the time, you know, so the Mora paper, they were working on that. And uh, I had the, you know, my competing theory, 
that, uh, which was the one that I was talking to Katie about, but it never ended up getting um, that, you know, Bitcoin, uh, the, that the proof of work, uh, you know, profitability from Bitcoin mining is solely dependent on the marginal cost of energy. And therefore it will seek over time the, you know, the lowest marginal cost energy sources. And by definition, that can never be, you know, fossil fuels, right? Where you have to pull it out of the ground, you yeah. have to transport it to the refinery, then from the refinery, you have to transport it to the distribution hub, which then has to, you know, transport it again. Um, so it can never reach that marginal cost of production versus, you know, the sun, right? It costs you not, the putting up the panels costs money. I got panels on the house and putting up the panels costs you money, but the sun shining costs you nothing, right? Um, yeah. you know, out of curiosity, the, do you mind Bitcoin at home? Uh, no, no, I don't. I, sh I, sh I should. Do you have excess I, from your panels? I do. And okay. the state doesn't pay me anything for, uh, I think I get 10 cents per kilowatt hour, but they charge me 30 cents per kilowatt hour. Oh, wow. Um, okay. And so I should, and I should also get an electric car, but we just moved in here. Uh, just getting started. Just getting started. Yeah. Right? We used to mine in, um, in our graduate offices at the at UH. Um, yeah, we used to have a mini uh, sort of pool where, you know, I'd stick a mining rig in my office, other people would stick <laughs> a mining rig in their office and, you know, pool all the power. There's so much equipment, you know, in a, in a lab, uh, you know, at, at MSB that nobody's going to Nobody notices that extra. Oh, another computer. <laughs> exactly right. There's a super. There's a supercomputer there. There's multiple sub-zero fridges. Um, yeah. Um, That's pretty funny. <clears throat> Out of curiosity, uh, I'm backtracking a little bit, but uh, was is Talladay? Uh, you said Dr. Talladay was the only one that actually entertained conversations and like explored this with you. Did did she? kind of become anti-bitcoin like with this like when she was with this she's stuff, not anti-bitcoin she's not anti-bitcoin okay i was just curious no, she was connected to the paper so yeah okay let's pause here for our sponsor so people ask me all the time how to get started in bitcoin i used to have a bunch of elaborate answers i wrote up this kind of ridiculous three-page guide now i literally just say go to swanbitcoin.com slash guy that's it swanbitcoin has everything that was in my hack together Bitcoin write-up, plus a hundred things I could not fit into that, and basically everything else you need. You can buy Bitcoin, they have low fees, you can set up a long-term savings plan, you can connect your business account, your trust, your retirement account. Literally, they have it. Swan Private is like the concierge service for getting into Bitcoin. But the best thing about Swan Bitcoin is their f***ing integrity. Every damn company in this space succumbs to shilling you shitcoin garbage because they and they they excuse it that the customers want it. But they know you're going to get rug pulled. They know you're going to get screwed and lose a ton of money, but that's a sacrifice they're willing to make. Swan Bitcoin does not play that game. They know they could make a ton of money in the short term, but they are building a strong foundation. They are building for the long term and they know Trust is hard-earned and easily lost. They literally have the best resources and the best team out there. Go to swanbitcoin.com guy for my referral link. 
and they will know that you were sent there from Bitcoin Audible. With that, let's jump back into our chat with Nate. Did she kind of become anti-Bitcoin like with this? Like when she was with this? She's not anti-Bitcoin. She's not anti-Bitcoin. Okay. I was just curious because no, she was connected to the paper. So her brother actually, uh, she, you know, took some of our conversation back to her brother and her brother uh, did very well with Bitcoin. It, you know, he got in before the uh, 2018 run up and then far as I know, still has it. So, um, well, there you go. Yeah. She thanked me one day. We ran into <laughs> each other in the neighborhood. She said, Oh yeah, my brother's doing really well. Thank you, Nate. Um, <laughs> and she's a, she's a wonderful person and a great scientist. Um, and yeah, so I, you know, the, the idea is that Bitcoin is this, you know, can reach the marginal cost of energy, which, and I was reading the Rifkin book and where he talks about the, you know, zero marginal cost transport, which of course is, is impossible. Um, you know, full self-driving cars. I think Elon has been telling us it's going to be next year since 2012. Uh, <laughs> you know, and now I think he just came out earlier this year. If I remember some interview saying, oh, it was harder than we thought. Yeah, 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 it is. Uh, it's not possible. There's too many edge cases and those edge cases are people dying, right? Um, yeah. so, you know, highway driving, not a problem, but full self-driving is, is never going to happen. Um, mm. And drone delivery is, you know, there, I think... Uh, I think no, I'll, I'll actually push back against that. I think full self-driving can happen, but I think that last 10%, which is the most important 10%, is as important and as nuanced of an innovation space as the, essentially the first 90%. Like, like, I literally think we actually need a new revolution in kind of AI and just kind of learning machines that can learn from human activity um, before we ever actually get there. It's only in the highly controlled and highly specific, like there's definitely a line here. There's definitely a lane. There's definitely a light. There's definitely a sign, you know, only in those situations or in a controlled environment where all you have are self-driving cars but responding yeah. to pedestrians and other cars. And when there's no lanes on the road and you, you just have to kind of get a feel for the environment and drive where you think it makes sense to drive. Yeah. I think that's that. That's a dynamic the, system. And it's, it's just way, it's, way too much complexity. Yeah. And, you know, anyway. drone delivery is, uh, you know, his, his was drones, not just the car drones, but also flying drones and, you know, those, those have limited application uh, in a handful of markets like drug delivery or, you know, heart delivery, right, to, to known locations. But, you know, I, we're never going to see Amazon drones coming to every house. I mean, they can't come to my house because there's a Marine Corps base near. Uh, so it's a no-fly zone, right? I mean, you know, you can't fly near airports. Um, there's just so many locations you can't fly. Uh, that, you know, outside of a handful of markets and, uh, you know, locations, it, it's just not going to be the prolific thing that Rifkin thought it would be. Um, and so, of course, you know, I'm thinking about Bitcoin, I'm thinking about Rifkin, and it clicked, zero marginal cost energy, uh, the ability to transport that zero marginal cost energy, not necessarily through the transmission line, but through the transmission of value, that is the real transportation uh, innovation. Um, 
you know, it's, it's an order of magnitude better than the current system. Um, you know, where SWIFT, ACH, international payments, they're, they're slow, they're cumbersome. Um, but Bitcoin can transport, you know, you can mine Bitcoin in one location and have it go to a wallet somewhere else. Uh, that's, that's, you know, that's light speed, right? So now we can, you know, transport that energy through the internet as monetary energy and then use that monetary, deploy that monetary energy anywhere. Uh, and that seemed like a better, um, you know, a better argument to me. And so I started writing this paper and ended up shopping it around and I got a lot of pushback and people were very antagonistic to it outside of a handful of examples. Um, I think there's an article coming out in Bitcoin Magazine next week uh, with some of the emails that I received calling me a scammer. And <laughs> they told me to, you know, that I need to read um, Paul Krugman and uh, that I should drop out and work for the Winklevoss twins. Um, <laughs> yeah. I hope I was told people have Twitter accounts. <laughs> And I was told I was in the middle of teaching a graduate level um, chemical methodology course. Uh, and I was waiting for this, uh, this assay to run. And it was taking, you know, it takes about five minutes to run it. And given five minutes of downtime for, a, you know, to a, you give a Bitcoin or five minutes of downtime, I'm going to start talking about Bitcoin. So I started talking and one of my uh, PIs, one of my um, committee members overheard. And he just, he said, you're illiterate if you think Bitcoin is uh you know anything and you know in front of what a whole class and i'm what year was this this was ooh, i think 2018 or so okay okay uh you know he called me illiterate and he was on my committee um it, and so I, it, I got discouraged for a while uh but i kept thinking about it um i ended up you know kind of taking the concept uh i started hearing the idea more and more that bitcoin is the you know, renewable energy. So I thought, you know, and it was all just, you know, philosophical discussion. So I thought I would take a look at um, just the pandemic. And I thought I'd take a look at, um, you know, Hawaii specifically, right? We have, uh, you know, virtually unlimited renewable energy here, but for some reason we're paying, you know, 30 cents per kilowatt hour to, we had, we were the only state taking Russian oil at the time, um, you know, prior to the Ukraine crisis. Um, and it's getting worse, right? You know, we, we have the highest uh, prices of energy in the, in the country. And so I thought I'd take a closer look at our state and see how do you actually transition? And so I read all the, um, you know, renewable portfolio, sta standard portfolio, uh, and there was no way. Um, you know, we have lots of solar, like I have solar on my, on my house. There's plenty of, you know, household solar, but the capacity value of solar is, pretty garbage especially on top of the house you know it's like two percent uh yeah. which means you need you know 50 x essentially what you want to replace so for every 100 megawatts of load you want to replace with solar you you know base load uh you would need you know what is it 50 or 5 gigawatts which is yeah, just 5, not uh and you know the land we don't have land here right you know so some places that might work out and you can bulldoze you know, plenty of land, right? In Texas, mm. there's, they have lots of land, right? So yeah. solar is great there. But we here in Hawaii, just you know, especially on Oahu, which is the um, you know main population center, just simply don't have it. 
Yeah. Uh, I've always felt that like solar in particular has like that kind of reverse economies of scale where solar is actually really useful in a very yeah. small capacity, in a very decentralized capacity. But the idea of running a grid off of it and doing it at a massive scale is just so stupid and it gets worse economically dumber and dumber and dumber the bigger yeah. you make the thing. Um, yep. And it's just, it's crazy that that has become, uh, for something that is so infeasible and the economics are so bad, when you really put the thing, lay it out at scale and you do the math, it's a little shocking how much we have misallocated towards that. Um, when it could have been great just on a put, everybody's roof is a waste of space. You know, like it can actually work there. It makes a, some, some bit of sense yep. at that layer, you know, but that's about it. Yeah, but that doesn't get us anywhere close to solving the problem. You still no, need that not. base load. Mm -hmm. And then I, I looked at, you know, again, we don't have the space, so I looked at offshore wind. And in order to replace just one of our, uh, our fossil fuel power plants, uh, you would need a, uh, the, I think it supplies, you know, like a quarter of our base load here. You would need an offshore wind farm the size of Oahu itself, which is, Complete non-starter, way too much money. Um, you know, the it would be an environmental catastrophe. That large of a wind farm, you know, small offshore wind farms can be totally fine, no problem, but not at that, just not at that scale. Um, and then, you know, wave has this wave energy still has the same problem. Not only does it have the same problem, you know, you'd have to site the entire coastline of Oahu, but um, it's not even there. The technology isn't there. Uh, and we don't have the same tidal capacity as, uh, you know, we don't have the tidal capacity. I think our tidal range is like six feet, which is nothing compared to where tidal is actually useful. And then nuclear, you know, I like nuclear, but um, there's no, again, there's nowhere to cite it. Uh, you know, in the offshoot, you know, in the off chance that there's a hurricane or a tsunami or a uh, earthquake, where are you going to evacuate people to? Um, there's no there's no coastline available for that nuclear. Um, we have a land problem, and the one thing that stuck out was uh, OTEC, ocean thermal energy conversion, and it does have it's the only renewable energy that has the potential to supply over you know, 100% of our energy. But it looks like right now the state is moving towards more uh, biofuels. And, you know, you can stick bio in front of diesel all you want, but at the end of the day, it's still <laughs> diesel. Yeah. Bio makes it sound better. It does. It makes it sound better. Yeah, absolutely. But it's, at the end of the day, it's still diesel. Um, you know, burning trees. I thought we, you know, we got over burning trees, uh, you know, that was before whale oil. We had, you know, whale oil was an improvement that was on early 1800s burning wood. Yeah. That's, that's like step one. I figured out a way to make energy. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, you know, that's the, and they use the, oh, oh God, I, it's something like 50 or 60% of our renewal, you know, they tout this, oh, we're 38% renewable uh, in the state of Hawaii. You know, 38% of our energy comes from from renewables but like most of that is is burning trash and we burn uh you know yeah. we have yeah um we burn trash we burn uh biodiesel we have um 
uh, waste, reclamation, gas. Uh, yeah. That's and one of those semantic seems- solutions that has no real basis in. It's like when you're burning trash and and you're calling that your renewable solution, uh, you've really you've really pushed the limits of virtue signaling at the cost of not actually doing anything meaningful. Yeah. Um, so that's when I started looking at OTEC. Um, and I dug deep into it. You know, Hawaii, I, I learned about it in graduate school because Hawaii is one of the major innovation hubs for OTEC, uh, have been for a long time. Um, you know, ocean thermal energy conversion has been around since the 1800s. You did the, the reading, you know, there's Tesla contributed to it. Uh, Nikola Tesla, not, you know, the company. Um, the, the original yeah. Tesla, right? The original Tesla. Tesla OG. Not, not the grifter. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's been around for a long time, and they, they keep building plants. You know, there's one here. Uh, I, I was in school at the time when uh, there was a 100 kW plant build on, built on the big island uh, by a company that is right down the road from me who's you know, my, my neighbors are the, you know, the, they live in all, because it's down the road, they all live in my neighborhood. Um, you know, a lot of those scientists that pioneered it uh, live two blocks away from me. Um, and so I started digging deeper into how it, how it, you know, why. That's pretty cool. So you actually can just like, I mean, I guess you've sat down and had conversations with these people and just kind of. That's crazy. Absolutely. You just call them up. I mean, they're, you know, they're all, they all work at UH uh, or worked at UH Manoa, uh, the University of Hawaii. So it's fairly simple to get in touch with them. Uh, Is there OTEC anywhere else? Like, yeah, there's a, there's a few plants, you know, but they're all testing. They're all just for testing. Um, You know, Korea, Japan, China, I've all been, you know, doing OTEC work for years, um, you know, but the U.S. doesn't invest in it the same way that they do other renewable energy technologies because outside of, you know, Hawaii, Hawaii is the only state that can use it. Uh, you know, Puerto Rico has uh, some OTEC resources in Guam, but, you know, we can't even, uh, we don't we don't care enough about Puerto Rico to give them social security insurance. Um, <laughs> so we're not going to invest you know, hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars and giving them, you know, OTEC. Um, and so it's, you know, you could find uh, a way to funnel it back to uh, a couple of, um, you know, military industrial complex companies. Um, I'm sure they get 40 billion in no time. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, if we had had that kind of, you know, if it's been a hundred years, right. And it, there's been some unfortunate accidents, you know, in Cuba back in the thirties, uh, they built a small test facility and then, well, in the Caribbean, you deal with hurricanes and they didn't hurricane proof it and it, it got destroyed. Um, and then, uh, you know, there's been multiple tests, but it's sort of in what's called the innovation valley of death, right? You know, government funding is big at the small scale. Um, there, I, think there, I think there's a great picture in the article, uh, in Level's article. Um, you know, government funding falls off the larger you get. And then uh, there's a, you know, uh, corporate, you know, private funding picks up the larger you get. 
but you know there's this valley where nobody's really willing to fund this technology and yeah. it works with the uh i guess we haven't covered how it works um you know there's in the tropics there's warm water at the surface and there's cold water at depth you know around a kilometer down 700 meters to a kilometer deep and so what you can do is you can pull you know pump that cold water to the surface and you can run a heat engine a rankin cycle based off that temperature differential and you know the higher that temperature differential the more efficient the engine is so it only works between 23 south and 23 north uh which covers quite a few people there's you know a billion plus people um who live in that range near you know within you know the eez uh whatever country they're in that has deep water available um and we identified something like a thousand plus power plants uh you know fossil fuel based power plants that theoretically could be you know replaced by otec around the world it's around 300 gigawatts of capacity but the ocean itself uh the thermal capacity of the entire ocean is around eight terawatts which is more uh, energy than all of our fossil fuel infrastructure combined uh, worldwide. Um, and, you know, one of the problems has been that, you know, in order to get, so we have, you know, all these testing facilities, there's one on the big island that was designed to test heat exchangers for the F-35 planes. Um, and so you can get money for that, but then you get, you know, and as all renewable energy is, it's an economy of scale. Uh, and so in order to get to the big scale, you know, there's there's some um, engineering challenges associated with the large scale. So say 100 megawatt OTEC, it's a, it's a big fricking pipe, you know, uh, and it's in the middle of the ocean. Um, they're not unsolvable challenges as, you know, uh, the offshore oil oil platforms have shown us. You can solve just about any challenge in the ocean. You just need you, you need to solve it at smaller scales first and then scale it up. Um, and so, you know, you could just go ahead and build because we know the, the technology works. There's not the technology problem like you have with some things. Um, you know, it's not like you have to invent, reinvent the wheel or invent, you know, uh, uh, artificial general intelligence or anything to get to, <laughs> uh, it, it's pumps. It's, you know, it's one of the most basic heat engines there is. So there's not that technology risk. Um, and so you could just go straight to the big scale, but then you have the risk, right? So no, no investor is going to take that risk if no one's ever demonstrated that you can, you know, work, work with that giant pipe at scale for a given amount of time. So you really have to do it at the sort of medium scale, you know, somewhere between five and 20 megawatts. And the problem is, is that, again, it's an economy of scale and one of those things is going to cost you a couple hundred million dollars. And the cost of energy that comes out of that is going to be just way too high. Uh, so there's no buyer for that energy. I'm actually curious about this. Um, and just kind of in my naive grasp of how this would be put together, what makes, what makes the cost of energy so high for it when it's small? If it's like, like, why do the economies of scale help so much in the cost of energy? Because it seems like after you've set the thing up, like, what's the running cost? Is it, is it literally just the, the energy needed to pump the water? 
you know, like capex. Okay, it's, okay. it's 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 all capex, right? The you know the marginal cost of the energy is big old fat goose that, egg. That's what it seems like to me. Like so so is it so is it literally just would it be a situation where over a long enough span of time that the price would come down? Yeah, if you can you know uh, amortize it over say 50, uh, you know a medium scale over fifty years, you can get the the price down, but um, okay. yeah, that's a that's a long time. That's a it's long... just initial investment and everything that you have to do to make to get the capital to put this thing together that forces that price. Yeah, you know the pipe, the piping kind of scales. Um, you know, the, it's it's a big at ten megawatts. It's still a big pipe, um, but the way that the you know the cost of the piping scales. At larger scale, it makes less of a difference. Uh, and then there's the cost of the cabling, right? So you ideally don't want to do this onshore. Um, you want to do this as close. You know, the the pipe is a huge expense. You know, titanium giant pipe. Uh, you want it to be, you know, the shortest it can be, which is a, a straight line, right? And so you want to do large scale stuff, uh, OTEC work. You want to do it offshore on a floating platform, right? Um, and so then you have the cable, right? Now you need to connect it to land to get that energy to the grid. So the cable, uh, you know, the, the um, high voltage cable, that, that, that costs a lot of money, right? It makes up a huge percentage of it. Uh, and the smaller it is, the more impact it has. Um, the platform itself has a lot of cost to it. Again, that gets diluted the bigger you are. Um, but yeah, it's the it's the mooring, the permitting. Uh, and so selling it to the grid just doesn't really make, nobody would buy 50 cent to a dollar energy. I'm already paying 30 cents. Uh, everybody here is paying 30 plus cents. Nobody's going to be okay with paying 50 a dollar. Um, yeah. And so, you know, what we, what we figured out is, well, you, you cut the cable. It's a huge huge chunk of change that you take right off the top uh you cut the mooring uh you don't need the permitting if you don't have it more out of curiosity what's the more what's the mooring oh it, it just attaches it to the the bottom it keeps oh. it in place okay okay yeah just curious <laughs> yeah it's a you know you, you keep the platform in place so it's not moving around right um and then you know if it's stationary if it's you know say in hawaii you have to deal with hurricanes you have to hurricane proof it um so there's all these expense, extra expenses that are pretty much only necessary if you hook it up to land. Um, if you don't hook it up to land, uh, which you know you, you drop the you know the capex drastically, almost forty percent. Well, you uh, you have nobody to sell it to in the middle of the ocean. Um, <laughs> uh, so what we figured out is that well, you can sell it to Bitcoin. Um, if you don't have it connected to land, you can then, uh, you know, because the um, the energy efficiency, you know, kind of scales with the square of the delta T, the change in temperature between surface and deep. Well, Hawaii is uh, is not ideal. You know, we're pretty far north as far as the tropics goes. <laughs> we're, you know, south of you, but we're at 21 degrees north. Um and our, you know, delta T is about 20, 20 degrees year round uh, average, but we could push that. Um, 
by going to, say, the equator. And, well, at the equator, you don't have to deal with hurricanes. So now you can get rid of the hurricane proofing. And you can just track that warm, there's a warm blob in the ocean, um, you know, where the sun shines directly all year round. And you don't have to deal with, you know, hurricanes. Um, so you're pushing the efficiency of the energy generation while slashing capex across the board. And, uh, you know, you're, you, you can produce Bitcoin to make that money back. So it's, I don't, you know, our projections right now are that it'll be, you know, I mean, we're talking five, seven, 10 years from now, but, um, you know, possibly break even, but you're either way, you're limiting the losses that once was a complete financial loss to something more acceptable on the, you know, the startup in the startup space, right? Um, you know, I mean, Uber, Uber still hasn't made money. Um, and, <laughs> and they're changing that. So, you know, look for your Uber rides to go up soon. Um, you know, getting through, the idea is to just get through this 10 megawatt scale. You can do it at the equator in this nice little test bed. And from there, you know, you solve the engineering problems, you prove it out for a few years, you say, oh, this can reliably produce energy for a long period, over a long period of time. And then now you can, you can talk about scale. Now that makes it, um, you know, an attractive investment because, uh, I mean, the, the end goal being large OTEC is an incredibly, you know, lucrative uh, deal. You're talking terawatts of energy that nobody is touching, um, that, you know, is really the only renewable energy that about a billion people can use. Um, and at scale, you can bring the cost down to five cents per kilowatt hour, which is, which is right in line with what, where the price needs to be. Um, and it's, it's Bitcoin and not just, you know, you're not just mining Bitcoin, but you can improve the efficiency of Bitcoin because one of the byproducts of ocean thermal energy conversion is a virtually unlimited amount of cold water, uh, you know, near freezing temperature water, four, five, six degrees C. Uh, and so what you can do is you can incorporate that into the cooling. So you can get the machines cooler, than anyone else um, for no extra cost, right? Uh, essentially a PUE of zero of one, uh, you know, power use efficiency of one, and you can cool those machines deeper than you know anybody else. Um, and all year around, all year round in the tropics, which is something that nobody's ever thought. Of. Uh, and then it, you know, once you get to scale, it opens up, you know, new markets all over the world. Um, offshore hydrogen production becomes viable, um, you know, green hydrogen rather than, you know, coal uh, hydrogen. Rather than mined hydrogen, yeah. <laughs> and then you enable uh, the, you know, deep sea bed mining as well. It's another industry that we've been looking at that um, there's, you know, trillions of dollars worth of uh, minerals, you know, manganese, cobalt, nickel. Uh, copper, lithium, uh, all sitting on the bottom of the ocean um, at the surface, uh, you know, not, not the surface of the ocean, but on the, uh, the ocean bed. Um, and they all, all the major regions for these minerals, they're called manganese nodules. They all happen to be in the 
uh, in the tropics, right in the OTEC zone. They're, you know, 4,500 meters down. And, you know, they've been talking about mining these things since the 60s when they were discovered. Uh, I mean, just fast tracks. I actually ended up winning, going and I bought, I bought a manganese nodule from a research vessel. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if this is going to be, uh, you know, the, the video is going to be up, but. Um... A quick heads up, I will be posting the video on YouTube soon. So if you want to see what he is holding up here, check out my channel. I am just Guy Swan up on YouTube. But let's take this moment real quick to hit our sponsor. And that is the Bitbox hardware wallet from Shift Crypto. So why do I have three Bitboxes? I will tell you why. One when there's a good hardware wallet, I just have a hard time only having one of them. Like I have a few crappy hardware wallets that I have one of and it just feels wrong to only have one Bitbox. Two, I am slowly becoming a major multi-sig connoisseur and the Bitbox is just easy and quick to whip out. So it's kind of ideal for the setup that I have. Three, I can plug it directly into my Pixel. So I'm kind of prepping for a really awesome mobile key construction that I've got, and I need at least two bitboxes for it. And then four, because they're just really fun to carry around with me. I've got these little cases, 3D printed cases for them, but when I'm using it on the go, I wanted, I'm doing a setup that I have a key at home, I have the one that I take with me, but I have a setup where losing either one of them individually does not affect my coins. So if you don't have a hardware wallet yet, seriously, it is time to do it. You need to hold your own keys and you want a simple, secure hardware wallet to do it. And that is the BitBox. You get 5% off your BitBox O2 by going through my link at guyswan.com BitBox and use code Guy, G-U-Y. Again, that is guyswan.com BitBox. Take the step, hold your keys, get your Bitcoin off the freaking exchanges. Bitbox is the safe, simple, sovereign way to make it happen. All right, let's jump back in. You know, they're they're small, unassuming, but there's just so many of them. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, essentially you have to send a big vacuum down there and you vacuum them up. Uh, and, you know, energy. Uh, and this kind of operation takes a lot of energy. And, you know, the price of um, fossil fuels to get out there, uh, you know, ends up making it uneconomical. Uh, but if you had an in-situ energy source, well, now you can process those minerals out there, you know, potentially running an arc reactor out there, um, and you can drop the cost of going to get them. And they don't have the same stigma as, uh, you know, other copal mines where you have warlords and child slaves. Um, you know, there's, there's quite a lot of environmental uh, impact from going to you know, mine the deep sea. Uh, and, you know, one of the big questions is what is the connection back to the rest of the uh, ecosystem? You know, is it an isolated ecosystem or is there some, you know, deep connection back to the surface? And, you know, I mean, the other, the other option is continue to strip mine the rainforest, which we know has a, you know, intimate connection with, with life, uh, with everything. Um, but it's gonna happen either way. We need those minerals, especially if we wanna do solar, if we wanna do battery. Um, there's more, more of the future mineral, is you know. electric. We need to hold it. It's like, Jesus. There's, and there's more. There's little that is that is impo that important. And there's more of them 
in the ocean, uh, you know, in these uh, these deposits than there is on land. So tell me about the like. So these things would produce the energy on the seabed, like. Well, you you um. Or are you, you just stick it up like, at the surface and then okay, power so it? It would be the same thing that you're you're doing here. Uh, attempting with the the 10 megawatt ish plant or whatever it, it'd be like a barge or whatever that's that's running this and these units or the miners uh like the the vacuums or whatnot would return to this thing get their energy go back out and well it could float around with them yeah, yeah it yeah. could just float around with them uh you know they could tether up it's, to a, it. it's a mothership and you know all the little <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and that's, you know, those are just some of the things that we've been looking at. Uh, but, you know, it all comes back to Bitcoin. You have to have, there has to be some sort of energy buyer uh, in the middle of the ocean to make this 10 megawatt. And that's, it's been the one impediment to getting OTEC to scale is building this 10 megawatt. And we think, you know, Bitcoin. <laughs> I think somebody was walking around upstairs. That's funny. Um, you know, Bitcoin has been the uh, the key missing piece of technology um, that OTEX needed. That's so crazy, man. Um, it's funny because, like, I love that. Like, this is the transport technology. When when looking at the third industrial revolution sort of ideas, because the the cost and the overhead with all of this is being able to transport the value is how do you get it from where it's created to where it's needed and what's funny is that we're the it, it's it's a fundamental change in the mindset and in, in the framing of how to actually accomplish that transport because what you're doing is rather than trying to figure out how to transport the fuel how to transport the energy source itself what you're doing is you're trying to figure out how to get something valuable out of it so that it's worth it right where it's located. And, and when you're actually securing a monetary system in doing so, you're, you're actually increasing the efficiency of all other transport and value communication at the exact same time. Like it's a feedback loop that makes the energy more valuable and the economic system that makes use of the value and of the monetary unit that's being secured far more efficient and more productive in the ex at the exact same time. It's so crazy. Like it literally is. I mean, I feel like a crazy Bitcoin <laughs> psycho when I say this, but I, I don't see how if this thing does, if this thing survives and these incentives continue to play out and this thing continues to grow. I do not see how this does not lead to an in to a revolution in, in energy to another on the ground energy production and allocation revolution. Like it yeah. will fundamentally change how we relate to all of it. Um, yeah, it's just and that's so that's that's what kept me going. Is that even though I got a lot of pushback, uh, I realized that it was an an, an inevitability. Um, so you did not go read Paul Krugman. And oh, I know. I, I read Paul yeah. Krugman, and before he even mentioned you not Paul listen Krugman, to him. <laughs> well, I, I even before he mentioned Paul Krugman, I I did a re, uh, you know I preemptively rebuked Paul Krugman in a previous email <laughs> that he just never read, 
And, uh, you know, he told me to go back and read Paul Krugman, but didn't see that I had already re- rebuked his entire... Um, he didn't need to read it because he already knew that you were wrong because you said yeah. Bitcoin. Exactly. And that was the thing is that, you know, I would, I would take this idea to other people. Um, you know, when, when I was floating the idea of going to um, uh, Dr. Vega, who's a big OTEC scientist, uh, you know, he's written most of the papers over the last 30, 40 years. And Dr. Niehaus, who are now on our advisory board, um, both of them, I would float the ideas like, oh, you know, what if we have this, you know, this technology that could, you know, use this energy and transport it via the internet. And everyone I would talk to loved the idea. I would talk, I talked to the, uh, the Dean of SOEST, which is the School of Ocean, Earth, Science and Technology, uh, Dr. Chip Fletcher. And I, you know, I brought the idea up to him. Uh, you know, I just avoided using the, the word Bitcoin. And then eventually, you know, everyone asked, well, what is this magical technology that you're talking about that can do all this wonderful thing? I go, well, it's it's Bitcoin. (laughs) And then that's when it says, no, 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 it can't be Bitcoin. It could be anything else but Bitcoin. Uh, But actually, Vega- Anything that doesn't work as long as it's not called Bitcoin. (laughs) And Vega and Niehaus actually had a light bulb moment to say, oh, they, they were two of the, uh, you know, two of the people who were like, oh, you might be onto something, which is why, of course, they're on the board now. Um, and I took it to, I took the same idea. I, I was doing my, you know, that analysis for this, uh, of the state and I gave that presentation and I was consulting with Makai at the time, you know, I was talking about OTEC. So I, Makai Ocean Engineering is our engineering partner on this, um, who built the 100 kW plant on the big island. Um, they've been doing OTEC for 40 years. Um, and, you know, eventually they kind of had to migrate to the periphery of OTEC. So now they work a lot on, uh, you know, subsea cabling, they work on seawater AC and heat exchangers, which are all the, you know, the main price components of OTEC. But you can, you know, split them up and sell them as individual products versus packaged all together, you get OTEC. Um, and so, you know, I, I was consulting with them and they, they, they agreed. Um, they said, wow, Bitcoin is the, uh, you know, it's that, it's that missing piece. And that's what you're looking for in, uh, you know, an industrial revolution, you know, it, it, it it's that connection, like you said, between energy and our communication. Uh, it's that bridge, you know, something that the drones just don't do. Uh, <laughs> I, I just don't like Rifkin's, you know, everything else he said is makes perfect sense. Uh, but he was trying to get that puzzle piece to fit and it just didn't fit. Because, it, well, Bitcoin hadn't been around when he wrote the book and yeah. it was coming up with the idea in 2011. Um, it just didn't exist. So... Uh, well, it did exist, but no, nobody paid attention in 2011. So have you found that this is like kind of a slow and steady like acceptance? Like that as time goes on, it's just like more and more people hear the, hear the idea and hear the word Bitcoin more and more that people just kind of wake up and some of the light bulbs go off. Um, is that, You're seeing is that, that happen. Yeah. In Texas, uh, you know, the energy guys in Texas are 
going balls deep into you know <laughs> into bitcoin um i mean they're they're using that stranded energy uh monetizing that stranded energy to then put into other projects somewhere else that's that's what <laughs> that's exactly what you want um I think your audio cut out. Oh, whoops. Sorry. I was muted. Um, the, the estimates on like what kind of profitability and like price tag you can get on this when you're talking about, you know, 50 megawatts, hundred megawatts sort of uh, uh, implementation of this. Does that actually account for like, for example, with Mackay and the, the seawater AC, like, like using these other products and these other potential markets that they could tap into with selling the nutrient dense water for aquaculture or for growing, uh, growing farmland and like all of this stuff. Does this actually account for those potential markets? Like, are you estimating that additional profitability or is this purely on a mining Bitcoin? We're producing energy. Um, this is our CapEx for getting this on. And this is what we could sell energy at. Is that other stuff excess or is nope. it dependent? It's just uh, that, that other stuff is just, uh, you know, a cherry on top. We're only looking gotcha. at it from the energy energy sector uh, specifically. So potentially as more and more use cases and with built out of infrastructure of that size and a potential byproduct that could be that useful, you're looking at just being able to come up with new ways to make it more profitable rather than less as time goes on. Yeah. Spinoff industries, you know, things yeah. that'll naturally occur. You know, if you build it, they they will come. Um, yeah, yeah. The field field of dreams, right? Um, <laughs> no, but we're solely looking, and you know, the cost of energy is going to be location dependent. So it's anywhere from five cents per kilowatt hour, right? You know, you need the highest delta T that you can get here in Hawaii. You're looking at you know probably closer to fifteen cents because uh, our delta T isn't as good. Um, but yeah, for any you know, at scale, it's anywhere from five to fifteen cents per kilowatt hour, up to twenty cents per kilowatt hour. If you're, you know, right at the limits of OTEC. Um, so, where's what's kind of the next step? Like, where where are you right now? Um, are you looking? Or is there is there money like aimed at this right now? Like. What's the so what we want to do? Um, what we want to do is we want to do a small scale test uh, here in Hawaii at Nelha, uh, the Natural Energy Laboratory of Hawaii, um, where the 100 kW plant is. Uh, we want to do a test. We want to do a full integration of Bitcoin with the OTEC cycle, um, and you know get some hard numbers out of that. Uh, you know we we know that um, you know you lose you use less energy, the cooler the chip temp is on the ASICs. And we know that the more you overclock, uh, the more energy you use. And I've seen some interesting research out of brains, but it only gets to 20 degrees Celsius, um, you know, chip temperature. So I wanna see how, you know, how far, if it keeps going, uh, if, the, if the, you know, energy efficiency keeps, keeps going linearly or, uh, whether it, you know, kind of cuts off at some point, um, we want to do, you know, testing. So we're raising a uh, seed round uh, starting probably later this month. Uh, you know, I think the next, 
the next week or so is going to be a little busy. Uh, so I'm going to be, <laughs> but I brought on a really great, uh, you know, co-founder. Um, you know, I'm the crazy engineering guy. Uh, I don't have the same, even though I, I run a separate business, that's consulting. That's a whole different animal. Um, so I brought on a really great, um, you know, co-founder. His name's uh, Michael. He goes, uh, you can find him on Twitter at, uh, at Michael Hawaii. Michael Hawaii. And yeah, <laughs> I think he's trying to keep his, his last name uh, pretty low. So at it's Michael Hawaii. Hawaii on Twitter. <laughs> Um, and yeah, he's, uh, he, he's really been helping out. He's raised money in the past. He's had a number of business and he's from Hawaii and that's the most important part. You know, all of this is to really benefit Hawaii. You know, we have a really heavy reliance on tourism, um, which, oh, you know, repeatedly just screws us over every time there's a downturn, every time there's, you know, travels, I mean, COVID yeah. just decimated it. Um, I can't even imagine. It's like it's like everything that went wrong everywhere else except on steroids, you know, because yeah. your popu- basically the population of the island disappears with it. Yeah. Rather than just base. the activity, like the actual people disappear. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was nice for the residents. I could go to the, the <laughs> you know, the great snorkel and diving spots and I could get part, you know, porn star parking out front. Um but the, uh, you know, the, the, the tax base just dissipated. So, you know, we're looking at, uh, you know, turning OTEC into a major, you know, energy industry and benefiting Hawaii with that, um, you know, being located here, being, you know, kind of incubated here, uh, UH. Again, you know, there's this great pipeline for, uh, you know, a workforce, there's an ocean engineering department. Uh, you know, one of the, one of our Bitcoiners, uh, I, I, me and Michael co that's how we met. We co-host the Honolulu bit devs. And one of the guys who shows up was a, uh, you know, an ocean engineering, um, uh, uh, student. And he actually applied to work at Mackay at one point. Um, so, you know, there's this pipeline of people who are trained in OTEC, who understand it. Uh, and, you know, we can just filter them right. We have the, you know, pipeline right next door. Um, yeah, we want to we want to make, you know, benefit Hawaii the most. That's pretty incredible. Like, that's interesting. Like, what a simple idea that's been sitting there for such a long time, you know? Like, so basically, it's just a Sterling engine, right? Uh, to an, like the, the Rankin the cycle? Rankin. Yeah. Yeah. So out of curiosity, if if the heat is actually useful in making the energy, the production more efficient, um, the warm side is, you know, as important as the cold side. Um, I don't know how you would do this both at the same time, cool them with the five degrees Celsius water, but could you actually use the output heat of the miners to increase the differential as well the, the delta yeah i looked into that it's yeah. it's a lot of water um yeah, yeah basically you're gonna uh, get more value out of it if you just cool the shit out of them yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. You're, you're not you're not moving i mean the water is moving i mean we're talking about olympic size swimming pools per second yeah. there's no amount of mining heat per second gonna move that yeah and you're like, um, you're like, you're like doing hot breath on it. Like, 
This is uh, the, the pool is water. It is warmer now. It's warmer now. <laughs> yeah, you're blowing on an Olympic sized swimming pool that's coming through per second. And <laughs> yeah, you're, you're not doing much. I, it, it, that has been explored, yes. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's just a lot of water. Um, that's a hell of a specific heat problem. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, no, it's, uh, it's just this, it, it, at its core, it's a very simple idea. You mine Bitcoin yeah. in the middle of the ocean and it sounds crazy, but then the deeper you dig, um, it just might work. It might work. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we're going to try, you know, uh, Michael is, he, he's a rock star. Um, and I think he's going to help push this, you know, you need the engineering and you need the business side. Well, hell, um, I am going to keep a close eye on this. This is fascinating to me. Um, I think one of the most, the two most interesting things to me right now that I think are happening in Bitcoin are the undermining, the, the, the plumbing of the international remittances and monetary exchanges, um, the liquidity on the Lightning Network and on the Bitcoin Network that is being used to move fiat. Um, that I think basically what strike is doing, um, yep. in, and NIDIG is basically bolstering out the, the infrastructure for, um, is one of the most exciting things. Like I, 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 I'm seeing the Linux moment happen. I feel like, I feel like I'm watching this where the banking system is actually going to be made more efficient and just overall less shitty because, yep. because it is using Bitcoin to settle transactions and that there is simply nothing else that can do it like Bitcoin because Bitcoin is open source. It's standardized by default. You're using, you're all speaking the same language. One of the biggest problems we have with international remittances is that one country will literally use a certain protocol and coding language and they'll build their own thing. And it just has nothing to do. There's no interoperability between the one, the one that happens in the US. It's written on completely different code and Visa Jesus, Visa has purposefully been using one that's like 40 years outdated and that nobody even learns to code for anymore so that they can have a monopoly so that the barrier to actually people being able to plug it, it's purposefully not interoperable. They work yep. very hard to make sure that you can't use it. Like yep. Being able to implement that, to, to, to undermine that, to basically- Standardization. Standardization, standardization on something that's open source and that everybody can adopt for free and that yeah. has liquidity all over the world is massive. And then the other Huge. one is energy. The other one is absolutely energy. What, what is happening in ERCOT, what is happening around the world in like actually finding these little stranded energy sources, like it is astonishing what something as simple as being able to take the value out of a watt that would have been lost, that you still just can't transport it. You just don't have the cup that you can put it in to get it to where it needs to go, that you can just use it right there and get the value to anywhere in the world instantly. Jesus, man. Like those two things fundamentally, like that is a freaking industrial revolution by itself. You're looking at the communication and the transport. You know, like yep. Bitcoin is doing both of those things at the exact same time. Well, the time. internet, the internet is doing the, the, the internet, the, the internet, right? Yeah. The communication. Yeah. You could, you could use any, any, you know, you could do it over the telephone line. You could do it over, you know, rail tracks as well. But and you, you could would argue, think Hawaii. Sorry, you could argue that 
the internet has never been able to transport money though. It's never been able to communicate value, right? Um, exactly. All, it, all it's been able to do is copy information. So this is the internet of banking. Whereas AT&T finally went to the internet and it was no longer a closed source permission network, it became an open one. Banking is still a closed source permission network and it's becoming an open one. So it's like the internet is undergoing a revolution in communication at the exact same time, specifically because of Bitcoin. But anyway, you were talking about, you said something about Hawaii? Yeah, and Hawaii is, I'm sure none, nobody listening to this is familiar, but Hawaii, uh, we have our own banking system here our own local homegrown banking system. Really? Yeah. We don't sure. have a, we don't have Bank of America's or Chase's, your Truists, uh, SunTrust Sun even around, uh, we, Wells Fargo. We don't even know these things. It's Bank of Hawaii, First of Hawaiian Bank, uh, you know, Territorial Savings Bank, uh, Hawaiian National. Um, and, you know, it's the, and they're, they're fighting it too. They're, they're not interested in Bitcoin. And it's really sad because, there's, there's just so much benefit to a local banking system. You know, global banking, uh, you know, cartels are a problem, right? But a, lo a, you know, a functioning local banking system can do a lot of good. Um, you know, you think you're, uh, uh, you know, credit unions, right? Um, and we have this whole, you know, local system and... My biggest concern, you know, I mean, that's where I got the mortgage to buy my house. Uh, you know, local, I, I know, I know my, my mortgage broker personally, she comes over and <laughs> gives us gifts. She, <laughs> she talks to, you know, talks to my, uh, you know, talks to my parents, talk to my wife's parents. I mean, just, these are your aunties, your uncles who work yeah. there. Uh, you know, the jobs that it creates locally, uh, it's in a, almost immeasurable, um, the benefit we get. And I worry that if our local banking system doesn't innovate, it'll die and it'll be replaced by people who don't care about the community, who, who don't you know, reinvest in the community. Um, you know, our local banking system has an incentive to reinvest in the community because the community ends up being how they make money. Mainland banks don't have that problem. Uh, yeah, Wells Fargo and, comes in and you're just you're just a blop of relative profitability for all the other millions of blops on their map. And they can give a shit about investing in it. Like, yeah, they don't care. in fact, if it's not profitable or it's not as profitable as something else, then they're explicitly not going to invest in it because because why they don't they've got they've got a million other blops. They got a million other little pins on their map that are going to give them better arbitrage opportunities. They're going to invest in, you know, overseas somewhere um, where they can actually get some sort of a gap. And what's been, you know, what's been keeping them at bay for a hundred years is this giant moat that we have around us, you know, yeah. uh, and the high cost of uh, land here. You know, they, most, most, you know, Hawaii residents uh, choose their bank based on proximity to a branch. Uh, and, you know, no mainland bank could come in and just buy up all the land and, you know, stick their, you know, stick their branches so they can never make an inroad. But now I worry that, uh, you know, as banking moves online, uh, even with, you know, especially with Bitcoin, you're going to get, you know, some some Coinbase or, you know, some other exchange come in and put and because our guys, you know, there's our banks are smaller. So they're 
even less inclined to innovate because one wrong move and they're out of business. Um, yeah. But I just see, I see this huge opportunity to, you know, I mean, at, at the end of the day, not everybody is going to be able to secure their own keys, right? Grandma, probably not, not going to happen. Um, and then you have to reintroduce trust into it, right? With the exchanges, which are just pseudo banks. And who are you going to trust? Some nameless company on the, you know, nameless, faceless company from the mainland or your auntie? your uncle, somebody, you can go down to the bank, uh, you know, just take the, just take the, the, the crappy part of fiat out of it and do Bitcoin. I mean, people are already storing their money in, uh, in safe deposit boxes. Yeah. And they're just, they're just like, no, not interested in monetizing that. You could stick 18 seed phrases in each safe deposit box, uh, you know, you know, redesign the safe deposit box at, almost no cost and stick and, and multiply your revenue there 18% by, you know, having just sticking a aluminum, aluminum tablet in there. Um, I don't know. It, it's just sad. I don't want to, I don't want us to, I, I hate them. I hate the banks because they're slow. Every time I go down to the branch, it's awful and it's slow. And, you know, we one of the big uh, uh, advertising campaigns recently from one of the local banks is we just got mobile. <laughs> <laughs> holy shit we got an yeah. app yeah um and so I'm they're very excited for this. about your 2005 revolution and it caused it, yeah i mean it was a huge uh uh i mean it went it took one of the central pacific bank did a mobile app a few years ago took them from you know close to the bottom to close to the top just wow. just going mobile uh and they don't see that adding Bitcoin services would, would do the same thing. Um, you know, they've been against it. Well, the good thing is the incentives just kind of play themselves out. You know, like there was always going to be a huge mental barrier. There, there is, there is little barrier as deep as a monetary one, because value is such a misunderstood thing. Um, and it is so circular, particularly when you're talking about money. Um, yeah. is that you value the money because everybody values the money as money, you know? Um, like it's, it's like the constant question of like, and, and oh my God, it makes it so much worse. The ignorance around what money is, is so deep. I mean, just a chasm of, yeah. like you could fill the Pacific ocean with what everyone doesn't know about money. And uh, it's, it's like that question you get all the time is that like, you're, when are you going to sell your Bitcoin and like to, to take profit or whatever? And I'm like, sell it for what? What do you mean sell my Bitcoin? You know, like Bitcoin, like I don't, am I going to buy more of that dollar trash that you just watched get 40% of its value eaten in relation to your car and your house? Like yeah. I got a 40% down dip in Bitcoin right now. And I'm just using it to stack more because mine actually has a chance of recovery. Your shit is never coming back. Your shit is gone forever. It only goes one direction. Yep. Oh, God. Yeah. But, you know, I've yeah. been laughed at during the... Oh, I feel you. This is my third third cycle, I think. Oh. Uh, 
Yeah. It's your cross to bear, Nate. It's your cross <sighs> to bear. You know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta drag through the valley of death before you get, get out the other side. Good God. I remember the years 2011, 2012. It's, you're just, you're just dumb for bringing it up. Just don't even, don't even talk about it. If, if someone knew what it was, if someone knew what it was, you know, it was easier back then to, to talk about it. Um, really? Cause there wasn't preconceived he, notions, you know, nobody pretended to know what it was. Yeah. Nobody poisoned the well yet. Uh, yeah. You know, with, with the New York times or the digi economists, they hadn't poisoned the well and primed it, you know, the, you know, the, Oh, it's, it's only for drug dealers and pornographers. That was, that was the, the worst, you know, that you would get. And you know, like, you can shrug that off. No problem. Um, but then once, you know, the New York times is running articles about, Oh, Bitcoin's bad for the ocean and digi economist is making, you know, uh, false claims. And uh, you know, and then the more at all paper, it, it hardened. It hardened people against it. Uh, and so they, you know, they, they thought they finally they knew something. Out. Yeah. yeah. They, they tuned it out. And, you know, now and they're like, oh, well, proof, proof of stake, proof of stake is so <laughs> much better. Proof, proof. Yeah. Okay. Sure. <laughs> oh, Let's reinforce the dynamic where the rich get better, you know, returns on their capital than the poor. So obnoxious. Yeah. But time, time will tell. Time. You know, Mora, Mora et al. will get drowned out in the, um, you know, the synthesis reports in 20 years and uh, all that will matter. You know, right now it gets a lot of press. You know, you've got the, the Ripple guys touting it, Greenpeace touting it. But when the synthesis reports, which is the real science, right? Science is done after the fact, right? With all that, you know, you, you get a bunch of noise. People are writing papers about this and that and the other. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then 20 years later, you, you take a look back and you pick out the papers that were right. You pick out the, you know, the data, the real data that was correct. Um, and then you look at that and you write the synthesis report. And that's, that's how real science is done after the fact, right? Uh, that's how knowledge is, is gained as a society. And what you're going to see is you're going to see, well, you know, the, when I was, when I was trying to bring this up, uh, you know, we were talking about 12, 12% renewables. Now we're at 50 plus, right? That's a, that's a clear, those are two clear trend lines, right? Mm -hmm. That's a, that's a, it's a, it's a clear trend line. Um, and it's only going to get better, you know, as you know, uh, oil prices continue to go up, they're never going down. Um, and renewables continue to get cheaper and cheaper and, you know, new, new methods of energy come online you know, OTEC, you start, restart nuclear, um, you're going to see just, you know, the shift. Uh, mm. It's it's the incentive that renewable energies have, have always missed. You know, the, the our entire economy was geared towards, you know, uh, oil production, right? Um, yeah. There was this incentive, more oil, more oil, more burning, um, you know, because of energy, right? And our entire, you know, uh, economic system was just, tailored to that. Well, Bitcoin is a new economic system that's specifically tailored to renewables and adds that incentive there that just didn't, it hasn't existed. And it does so without the need for, you know, a lot of people will talk about, oh, we need, you know, uh, car carbon taxes and carbon subsidies and our carbon credits and carbon dividends. And <laughs> these are all, you know, government side stuff, which of course we all still need, 
Um, but they're not a solution in and of themselves because um, they're jurisdictional, right? And yeah. uh, what really needs to well, be they're solved- they're jurisdictional and they're also explicitly misallocation because they take, they do not aim at economically viable alternatives or, or methodologies. They aim at politically viable methodologies. So it's necessarily, I mean, this is how you get the, the awful economies of scale of solar, but you get massive 10 billion, $100 billion investments in solar, even though it's like the worst one for the economy, for that economy, that, that size, uh, that scale of energy production. Because um, you can do it quick. Yeah. And you could get that political, you know, that political capital quickly. Uh, yeah. You know, oh. you, you'll be out of office before, uh, you know, if you before fund you a tech project, yeah. <laughs> you'll, or before you get the credit for it, you'll be way, you know, out of office. Um, yeah. Fix the money, fix the world, man. Fix the money, fix the world. All right. Um, I think, uh, I think we'll close this out here. I want to refresh this. Um, this is, like I said, really fascinating. This is one of those things that I've just been stuck on with all the things that are happening in the energy market around Bitcoin mining. Um, like it is endlessly fascinating to me. Uh, and what you're doing over there, kind of holding the torch by yourself, you and Michael and the crew is kind of just batshit. Um, it's, <laughs> it's really just awesome to think about what a handful of competent people who just stick with something, deal with the ridicule, and see see something real that can be built and take it to its conclusion just stick with it man we're gonna change some shit <laughs> god i hope so because it yeah, needs man. to change yeah dude for real um well where can everybody uh find you stay up to date uh, invest throw some money at you <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to do a traditional seed, but you can find yeah, yeah. me on Twitter at blockchain HI, uh, the number one. I need to change it. I think I, I have Nate Hawaii, but I need to change it at some point. Uh, but right mm -hmm. now it's, it's blockchain HI one. Uh, I got so many bank accounts shut down for having Bitcoin in my name <laughs> that I had to change my business to blockchain <laughs> solutions Hawaii, which you know, I, I'm a maxi, so that hurt, but they didn't shut my bank accounts down. So <laughs> that's fucking hilarious. <laughs> as long as you as long as you really embrace the scams, everybody will let you play ball, right? Yeah, exactly. Dear God. <laughs> so, so yeah, much, blockchain HI so much left to <laughs> H H I one. I will make sure yep. I have that linked so that people can check you out. Um and uh just kudos. Hey, Kudos, man. Thank you. Hey, you, you do an incredible job as well. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I just sit here with Rad and we, uh, and welcome to, welcome to fatherhood so <laughs> soon, so soon tomorrow. Uh, that, is, yeah. that is epic. Congratulations. Bringing more Bitcoiners into the world at the same time. The level tomorrow of morning, epicness is. We're going, uh, we're doing an induction. So tomorrow morning we go in 9 a.m. Baby on the way. Baby on the way. Awesome, man. Dude, congrats. I really appreciate it. Thank Good you. Good luck. I hope everything, <laughs> if, if, if I can help you out in any way, feel free to DM me. Um, 
whatever I can do, if I can do it. We need to figure out how to transport uh, sleep. Yes. Yes. Like, like I, what I'll value, do is I'll save, the... I'll save up on my sleep as Rad actually gets in some sort of a schedule and I will email all of the extra hours to you. <laughs> Pro proof of rest. Proof of rest. <laughs> Sounds good, man. All right, dude. All right. Thanks for joining Aloha. me. Catch you later, man. <laughs> I just want to say, Nate, if you end up listening to this again, I know you were there for the entire thing, but if you do, um, congratulations, man. Uh, he now has a healthy baby girl. We got people bringing Bitcoiners into this world like crazy, and it's just awesome to see. I got to say, I am absolutely loving being a dad, and uh, I, hope he, I hope he loves it as much as I do. Um, so yeah, don't forget to follow Nate, um, stay up to date on what the hell is going on. Cause this just seems fascinating to me. I don't, God, just, I, I'm going to have to stay very, I'm going to have to keep a very close eye on this. This is, this is one of those things about Bitcoin that I feel like is just waiting, waiting for those, that tipping point and this is one of those projects, this is one of those ideas that could just have a massive impact. Um, and it's so cool to see him and just a handful of other people making this happen. So follow him at blockchainhi1. Um, I will have the link in the show notes so you can check him out. Plus uh, a couple of links for things that were mentioned in the show uh, like the uh, Capital in 21st Century book, uh, Jeremy Rifkin's The Third Industrial Revolution. Um, and then also I have uh, Michael's uh, tag as well. So if you want to find any of that, plus all of our great sponsors and the discount codes and referral links and everything, all of that will be directly in the show notes. Just click on your little description and you can just go navigate to everything straight from there. All right, guys. Thank you so much. We've got another episode tomorrow. Um, some really exciting stuff coming. Uh, sorry, Rad did not get to join us today. He was asleep for the first half, and he is eating for this half. So uh, he will be back with us tomorrow. And until then, don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to follow on Twitter and the socials. And I will catch you next time. We will not be those who look back on history and realize that the world had completely changed and we hadn't realized it or understood why. We are here, we are building it, we are exploring it, and we are living through the greatest monetary shift in centuries that is pushing us into the next industrial revolution. And that revolution is called Bitcoin. I am Guy Swan, and until next time, everybody, take it easy, guys. You have been listening to Bitcoin Audible, a 111 production. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>